Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. Welcome to Smart Enough to Know Better, episode 131. We're a podcast of science. Comedy. And ignorance. I'm Dan Beeston. I'm Greg Wah. And in this episode of Smart Enough to Know Better, I'm going to make you disappear. Hey, that thing you're doing, stop doing it. It's creepy. We're going to float away on the ocean currents. And finally, hey, you kids, get on my lawn. Also, what is that stench of death? But firstly, what has happened to you in this week in science? I had a really interesting week in science because I went out to a town about ooh, 600 kilometres east-northeast of Perth called Kalgoorlie, and it's very well known for the super pit, the big gold mine that's out there. I was out there for work, working with students, and this place is famous uh, uh, Hang on, hang on, hang on. Mine? Students? Is this like, like the 1890s in London where you would get the children and put them in the mine <laughs> and do all the mining for you because they're, like, be, tiny? Look, look, they don't need to do that anymore because they don't have tunnels anymore. They've turned it into one giant pit, 600 metres down, like over a kilometre across. So it's like one massive super pit in the in the late 80s. So it's a big hole in the ground. Jeez, you need and... a big kid to get in there then. <laughs> you really, really do. Basically, this town was built on gold mining. And for what may be an interesting story, but when they first started mining it, they would find the gold and they'd throw away all the stuff that wasn't gold. And they discovered later on the stuff they were throwing away that the slag, as it's called, was actually a gold-bearing ore that they could extract more gold from. And they went, where do we put all that? Oh, that's the gift that gives twice. That's right. And they went, where did that slag go? That that stuff that we said anyone could have. And they said, we've paved our roads with it. And everyone went, oh, shit. (laughs) And so they packed their roads with it. They had to go dig up all the roads. I love the fact that dig up all the roads. (laughs) Thank you, council. We we gave you all this stuff, but now we want it back. So, yeah, all this gold. There's lots of gold out there. They're still producing gold. It's it's one of those weird things. So, Kalgoorlie, the streets were literally paved with gold. They were literally paved with gold. Wow. Yeah, so at least a, a gold-bearing ore, at the very least. It made me wonder, like, how much gold is actually in each tonne of earth? And at the moment, it's sitting at about, embrace yourself for this. Oh, it's going to be big. Than, like, it's going to be like 90% gold, right? You know, look, look, you're close. You're close. It's less than one and a half grams per tonne of dirt. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, there is not a lot of gold. I heard a stat that all of the gold ever mined could fill an Olympic swimming pool. Three. Three Olympic swimming pools. Now, I'll, I'll get onto that. way off. That's I'll, I'll get onto that. That's bucket loads. When I was, is that, when I was is that deep there, end and shallow end? Y- yes, that's deep end and shallow end, yes. <laughs> so, But isn't Scrooge McDuck's money been like three Olympic swimming pools? And most of that's gold, right? Well, I think he cheats. I think he just puts lots of cash money underneath so he doesn't kill himself and just puts a, like a layer of gold, like gold coins. Or maybe they're iron pyrites and he's been robbed over many years. Who maybe, knows? Maybe it naturally did it. Everyone knows that gold is very, is, isn't very dense, so it just sort of mm. floats to the top of cash. <laughs> Yes, helium-filled coins. But what made me think, what, I was trying to work out how much gold, is, and where this gold came from. I was like, where did it come from? And I was looking up the geology of it all. But then something happened when I was there, which I was in my area, which is we discovered, not as in humanity discovered, the gravitational waves from two neutron stars colliding with each other. So there were these two neutron stars about 120 million light years away, 
And, uh, yeah, so 120 million years ago, they collided. They, they rotated together and they orbited each other and then they, they collided. And we detected their gravitational waves. And more than that, the light that came from was also detected. So we learned a lot about this merger. And one of the things they said was there's lots of gold being created, heavy elements, much heavier than iron. And there's lots of gold and platinum being created in this merger of, of what's called a kilonova. I that's really exciting because I'm in a place that mines gold. This is where the gold literally comes from. They think a lot of gold comes not just from supernovae, but from these kilonovae, these two neutron stars merging together. And when I looked up how much gold, it roughly worked out to be about three planet Earth's mass of gold is produced in this one explosion. Wow. That, that's a lot. And as you pointed out before, Dan, three swimming pools of gold is roughly what we've dug out of the ground ever. So every bit of gold you've ever seen, because a lot of most gold is recycled, and you don't normally. Yeah. Very. If you're married and you're wearing a golden band on your finger, it's unlikely that was dug out. And Dan is. He's showing to me right now. That's unlikely that it came from the ground before touching your finger. It was probably being recycled by from someone else. It's my great grandmother's. I have effeminate <laughs> fingers. You do. It's lovely. Oh, or your your grandmother had big gnarly working woman's hands. So oh, punching the, the woman would fight bears. She'd import them to Australia just to fight them. Just, that's, that's, the the Beastons are a powerful people. Uh, Bearston. Yeah, so just... That's actually from that's Bearston is the original oh, <laughs> name. <laughs> that's not true at all. No, so it just. It just amazed me that gold that's being ripped out of the ground in Kalgoorlie, it came from this neutron star. Maybe not, not, this, not, sorry, not that neutron star. That would be weird and require time travel. But from neutron stars mainly. And when you realize how much, so three planets worth, if a planet only has a couple of swimming pools, uh, several swimming pools of gold, then that one explosion is going to seed the interstellar medium with many, 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 many planets worth of gold and platinum. It's, I found it quite incredible. It really sort of put it all in touch. It'd be good if we could get that planet of gold and bring it back here and give a bit to everyone because then everyone would be rich. That's how economies work. Yeah, <laughs> eating gold. <laughs> we could literally pave our streets again. So what did you do for your week in science? I went swimming with manta rays. Oh, hang on, wait, didn't they kill Steve Irwin? No, that was stingrays. Oh, okay, right, well okay. done. Okay, but still scared the shit out of me because I didn't expect to be swimming with manta rays. Oh, right. <laughs> I I was just eating breakfast in my kitchen. Suddenly, matter rays. <laughs> I was having a nice bath up through the plug hole. We we went for a dip on the Sunshine Coast. At a, uh, once again, more information about where Dan lives. Excellent. Paddling around in the in the in the seawater, and then suddenly like, there's a there's a flick and, a, and a, sh- a shape flashing through the water, and we were like, "Oh no! Oh no! Get out! Get out!" <laughs> there were these these little baby manta rays, probably. Uh, 40 centimetres across, foot and a half across. And there's a whole school of them swimming around there, which looked, if you saw them out of the corner of your eye, like a massive shark. But they weren't a shark. (laughs) Scared the willies out of me. (laughs) But uh, once you knew what it was, you were like, oh, that's nice. I'm still getting out of the water. (laughs) Yeah. So it didn't didn't kill you, obviously. No, no, no. It just made me stronger. Right, so we know how manta rays can be tough to spot in the water. We've already established good, that. Good segue. Yeah. Nice. Don't start. Ah, do I have to re-explain this every time? Do not call attention to the segue because that ruins the point of a segue. Is this a segue now? Are you segueing into the fact that I ruined your segue? No. This is getting meta. Stop. Oh, okay. Don't, don't overanalyze everything. Just let it Wait. wash over you. Hang on. 
Ah, uh, okay, yeah, very good. No, no, there's no, there are no between the lines. There are just uh, lines. Between the lines. Ah, oh, I see. Swimming between the lines. Got it. Flags, understood. Wash over you. Manta rays. You're really good at this. <sighs> All right. Animals, some animals don't want to be eaten. Some animals don't want to die. I do. Right now, that's all I'm yearning for. But some, some animals do not want to die. If only a manta ray would swim up your plug hole. And they have developed a whole bunch of brilliant strategies to avoid being spotted. So yes. stick insects that look like sticks and leaf insects that look like leaves. Yes. And then there are all sorts of camouflage things, leopards with spots. Tigers went, you know, I'm going to be orange and black. <laughs> that's, but that supposedly works really well. I'm guessing everyone's colorblind like me. So, yeah, it's very strange. <laughs> there are lots of different uh, practices that animals have. Yep. But there is one that I didn't really know about until recently that deer use. And a lot of the ungulates in Yellowstone Park. Mm-hmm. So that's what got me thinking about this. Uh, uh. So what happens if I, let's say I make a fake deer a fake pronghorn deer, and I go yes. and I look at the landscape and I go, oh, landscape's sort of a bit yellowy green, and so I get that colour and I paint my deer yellowy green, right? And then I stick it out on the savannah. It's it's going to stand out like a sore thumb, right? Because what's going to happen is the sun is going to hit it from above and it's going to make that yellowy green, the top of it, sort of a really yellowy green, like really bright and white, and underneath it's going to make it sort of a darker yellowy green. So if I if I made like a 2D deer, then it wouldn't be a problem. It would just, it would just like flatten the ground and no one would know it was there. No one would know it was there. I did, the, the grass would go over it. But, yeah, with a 3D object, you stick a big cylinder out there, then the top mm. is going to be lighter and the bottom's going to be darker because the light that's comes right. from above. And so that's, and that's why people think that that stupid dress was gold and white and black and blue because of shading. shading. Yes. yes. Yes, if we'd made a, a, a deer out of that dress, we, yes. we, what we could have done is we could have used counter shading and we would have put the blue and gold dress on the top of the deer and the right. black and – no, and the – yeah, no, the white and gold. White and gold on, on, on the on the tummy of the deer yep. and the black and yep. gold on the top. And the sun would lighten up that blue and black yes. and make it look kind of yellowish. And it would and the shadow would cast on the blue and gold and make it look a little bit more blue and black. And then Didn't they didn't didn't in World War Two they painted their planes like this too? They painted the bottoms of planes mm-hmm. blue so that when you looked up you wouldn't know that there was a plane above you about to bomb your house or something like that. That is a slightly so, different thing because this oh, is right. this is all about looking at stuff from the side. Oh, okay, because right. What you right. want is a is a sort of a cylindrical or tubular object mm-hmm. that that sounds like that's you sound like a math teacher, a science teacher talking about animals. Consider a zebra is a tube one meter long and 50 centimeters wide, like all zebra have always been. Yes, yes, yes. I understand that whenever they, whenever mathematicians deal with cows, it's always a a cow smelling sphere. It is, and it works really well. Consider a cow; it's a sphere two and a half meters across. Not what? good. Not not good for estimations of air velocity. No, no, not at all. Like if you want to, if you want to really launch a cow, you're going to have to do some more maths <laughs> than just the sphere cow. 
<laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a musket cow. Nowadays, we have rifled cows. Thank you very much. But we're looking at this deer from the side. <laughs> the top of the deer is actually a darker brown colour. The sun hits it mm. and lightens it up and makes it match the landscape behind it. The mm. shadow on his tummy is all white. Like his tummy's all white, but it gets darker in the shadow. So the top and bottom are a much better match for each other. Is this like people wearing makeup then? Because if you were like, oh, no, my nose is a bit big, I'll make it, I'll make it a bit darker on the top. And therefore, when the light hits it from the top, it'll look a bit smaller. And it'll, it'll like you, you wear makeup to emphasize and de-emphasize certain things. Yes, yes. You're kind of coloring. You're, you're sort of faking shadows. Yeah, and what, yeah. And what this does is it fakes shadows on their back and mm. fakes light hitting them on their tummy so that they just go boom and blend straight into the background. Now, if a human wanted to Very do this, they couldn't just sort of paint everything from the genitals down white and then tan up the top. Because so if you want to do that, we're not stopping you. We're, like, we're not against this. Like, that's, hey, more power to you. Yeah, oh, look, you're just not going to vanish. In fact, if anything, no. you're going to become more obvious. <laughs> There's nothing more obvious than a, than a, than a blue-painted genitaled human. <laughs> if you wanted to use this same thing, you would have to get down on all fours so yeah. that the sun was hitting your back and then make your tummy nice and we white. We stuffed this up. When we, when we went vertical, we stuffed up entirely, didn't we? Like, we destroyed so much good stuff that was going on. I mean, yeah, there was some good stuff as well. But, you yeah, know, like, yeah. Look, deers it, can't reach up into the top cupboard. Yeah, yeah. And can't open jars. Like, they're useless. Useless. Yeah, it swings and roundabouts. Fish have this as well. Uh, they have this counter shading. So if you look at most fish, they're quite dark on top, but they've got a light belly. Yeah. But at the same time, there is another pressure that is making that happen. And that is if you were a bird looking for a fish from above, then you're going to have a hard time if the top of the fish is the same colour as the darkness of the ocean. Yeah. And yeah. if you were a great big fish looking for a f delicious meal above you and you look up, you're going to have a harder time seeing a white-bellied fish against a, a light sky. Yeah. So you've okay. got two pressures both creating a countershading thing. And so if you see a fish from the well, side... Well, actually, three pressures, because it's three pressures because it's also the water pressure. Boo. <laughs> Unhelpful. <laughs> the... Uh, he just gave me such a dirty look. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Hurrah for video phones. You can really now. Now you can see. Now you can read between the lines. That's not. <laughs> so a lot of animals use this counter shading. Basically, anytime you see an animal with a light belly, it's probably using. That's probably developed because of counter shading and to allow it to camouflage. There right. are a couple of animals that really obviously do not have counter shading. Something like a badger or a skunk. Mm. So they're, like a, they're, yeah, they're, honey badger. They don't care. Obviously. They just they obviously literally don't care. That's famously said. They don't give a shit. Yeah, they're back to front. Mm. They're, they're they're dark underneath and bright at the top, and all that does is make them much more obvious. Yeah, uh, basically which, saying don't mess with me. Yeah, I'm here. Don't you come near me because I yeah. will skunk you up, baby. You will <laughs> smell like a toilet. <laughs> Even things like badgers and honey badgers, they, they're they so ferocious. They've, they've evolved enough where, where they survived enough fights where the ones that stood out did really well. So now, they, now they're not camouflaged. They're like, bring it! I am terrifying! Even though you're, you're the size of a large cat. Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite funny that such a, something so small, it's, all the animals are like, oh, it's just not worth it. We could kill it, but so much energy. So yeah. much energy. 
And of course, being able to vanish a bit from counter shading is probably also very helpful for predators. As, oh yeah, yeah, of course. Well, that's like uh, oh no, tigers don't have it. They, they don't. Yeah, but they do. They tigers oh, have to have a white tummy. Yeah. Good, okay. All right. Give yeah, them scratches. Yeah. Oh, do Who's little tiger? Oh god, it's a big tiger. But of yeah. course, there are a whole bunch of different thing, ways that animals vanish and stop being able to be seen. This is just yep. one of many humans that like just destroy their digital trail and like vanish and don't use credit cards and things. They just they just get signed off Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Totally having a week off the grid. And then a picture of them with, like, the two fingers, like a peace sign up. (laughs) Catch me now, government. It's really interesting. Okay, so there you go. Clever animals. Well done, evolution. Oh, no, they're dumb as posts, but evolution has uh, (laughs) given them a leg up. I wasn't saying they're intelligent. I was just saying, well done. I see. It's clever. Yeah, okay. I did say clever. Yeah, they cannot do any maths. Like, they, no, they, they wouldn't know how to calculate the trajectory of a spherical cow. Not even a wolf. Oh, good point. That would probably be, a, you know, helpful to it in the long run. Yeah, yeah. To um, know where it's going to land, because that's yeah. going to be delicious. Yeah, that's right. Pre-tenderized. Psychology. It's very important. Oh, no, 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 no. What is this, an intervention? <laughs> I'm fine, thank you. No, I sure. do not need sure. anyone's help. Well, we'll find out. I'll, I'll, I'll be the judge of that as the person holding a story about psychology, therefore slightly better trained in psychology than you. That's not, that's not how it works. That's not how it works at all. Well, hang on. Now, didn't you once tell me that – what is it? The difference between a psychologist and a – oh, What terrible thing did Wait, I say? What's, what's Freud? Freud was a – wasn't he a psychiatrist? Yeah, the difference between a psychologist and a psychiatrist is that Hello. one uses drugs and the other one uses magic. <laughs> did I say that? I think you did. Oh, uh, well, I, 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 I can either confirm or deny your allegation at this point, Dan. Thank you very much. I, I, I told the psychologist that and um, then really had to quickly pin the blame on you because they were not happy to hear that. Look, I, look I'm not a psychologist. What would I know about psychology? I'm not a psychologist. Well, you just there read you an article. Come on, I Mr. Did. Psychologist. I'm the, Weave your what, magic. I'm not. <laughs> I am not implying this at all. But anyway, so there is. And I'm Sorry, I guess I'm, I was reading between the lines. <laughs> anyway, in the Journal of New Ideas in Psychology, there was a very important study that explained which were the creepiest jobs. Dun, dun, dun. The, Go for it, psychology. The creepiest so, jobs. The creep, so which jobs do you think are the creepiest jobs? As in, if you when you say, I am this job, and someone goes, oh, I, and goes, oh, they have a creepy reaction where they, the hair's down the back of their neck, or they go, oh, they get a feeling of uh, not being happy about things. So uh, which one? What, what? Federal bikini inspector? Federal bikini. I, I don't think, I know... I know we're not meant to talk about the time that happened to you, Dan, but that's not a real job. You no, were I saw the shirts. Like, there are shirts no. you can buy at the coast, and they're, yeah. like, they're bikini inspectors. They're proper bikini inspectors. I, I, it's okay, Dan. After a couple of years of therapy, you're going to get over this, but um, I'm sorry that happened to you, but uh, that's not a thing. Well, the, yeah, they measure how long your skirt is from your ankle upwards or something, don't they? Is that, cause that, that's <laughs> yeah. definitely a thing. That's I look I'm I, I'm not saying I'm not I'm just walking away now. From I just don't wear I don't I just don't wear anything swimming because you can't get in trouble then. They're very good. Yeah, that's how it works. But I number fourteen, Dan, the most fourteenth most creepy job is software engineer. You creepy son of a monkey! Look at you 
creepy. Look at your creepy eyes and your creepy, the way you're standing there and looking confused. So creepy. Software engineers do make some products that can be used sort of maliciously. People in the know are like, just cover up all the cameras on your computer. Because yes, they, they, yeah, they really do. Yes, and even people. There's a. I saw a thing recently. They're saying I don't know how true this is. This is all allegation stuff. But someone is saying that the new iPhones can hear you all the time. So I look, and that's alleged. And that was a story I read. And I don't know how true it is. And Apple, I'm assuming, will say no, it's not. But you know, interesting. I'm, I'm sure it can be made to happen. Oh, and, and I, I heard this amazing thing is you could turn the microphone off. But because these phones have little accelerometers in them, they can feel the jostling of the phone and they could, in theory, feel the sound waves buffeting up against the side of the phone and make a really crappy sort of mono recording of your voice on a part of the thing that isn't supposed to do that. That's pretty creepy. Next is the very creepy construction workers. Damn, construction workers, you're very creepy. Exactly. Go through these because they wolf whistle. I, I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. It doesn't say why. Hey, baby, check out my erection. Like that's is that, a, yeah. that sort of stuff? I guess. I guess so. I'm very this proud like, of it. We spent I'm, I'm, months doing. It. I got a whole team. I'm, I'm assuming, Dan. I, I didn't think that podcast was going to be on this list, but the more you speak, the more I think this should actually be here. Oh well, so, if we could get paid to podcast, then I'd be happy to join <laughs> professions that are creepy. Maybe this one then. Coming in 12th, actor. Actors are creepy, which we've realized recently, yes, they are. Yes, yes, they are. <laughs> Lots of big act name actors going, I've been mishandling other human beings for years and no one ever said anything. Oh, man. I thought it was okay. Well, it I was, was up until we noticed. Yeah, well, that was, yeah, well, yeah, there is that. Next is writer John Birmingham, you son of a monkey. The, the, a lot of these people sound like liars. Like, actors are just liars. They're professional yeah, yeah, liars. Yeah. Fiction yes. writers, professional liars. Software engineers, just always liars. When will this be finished by? In three well, months. Total lie. They total speak, lie. Oh, so close to the truth. The... <laughs> Uh, not my fault. Not my fault. <laughs> the, and, but will they speak in a foreign language? Yes. You like, and you don't trust people speaking a foreign language. Yeah, they say, oh, what did you do all week? Oh, well, I did this. And they show you a bunch of numbers and weird characters and go-to tens and stuff. And you're like, oh, I don't, I, I don't know whether I'm what I'm paying for is here. I'm, I'm impressed that you're turning my stupid list into a, quite a serious conversation. I, I, this is amazing. Guards, security guards. No one trusts security guards. They're like cops, but not. Yeah, they're rent cops they, 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 they were too crazy to become a real cop. That's, That's why they right. don't let you become a cop. Is like you have to be too socially inept, more socially inept than a normal cop. <laughs> like, whereas, like, oh no, the, the sensible people who want to like be be cops and be paid to run around with guns, they become cops. But if you don't even make the, the cut for those psychopaths, then you're a, then you're a security guard. Oh, we're going to get so many letters. Uh, oh, we're not going to get letters. We're gonna, I'm going to get a door knock in the middle of the <laughs> night. That's what's going to happen. Coming in at number nine, the garbage collector or bin man. There we go. What's he so, doing with that garbage? And, and that's right. He can go through your stuff. It's like the tooth fairy. Why is she yeah, collecting yeah. them teeth? That's sick. And then coming in at number eight, very similar, a janitor. I think it's just the same thing, really, kind of. You know, not exactly the same, but you can see why. You can see why they're together. The uh, janitor is just, the janitor is just the, the the bin man in your office. He's inside the house. So ultimately, a lot of these things are these people are in a, in a position where they could do something. I wouldn't know what they were up to. And that leads us to number seven, the clergy. <laughs> the clergy are up there. 
the clergy are number seven. Because they'd also be the one of the most trusted as well. I well, would have thought. I, I, Maybe like, that's going to be a that's there's not going to be a lot of people in the middle who are like no oh, whatever there's there's people who are like yeah. don't trust them other people are like of course I trust them I guess so but I, that's a list I don't have number six the unemployed that's a job I considered more creepy than the clergy I don't understand that one at all but anyway why is it creepy I'm not talking about I know society looks down on unemployed people but why creepy because they might rob you they don't have enough money and they want your money. So they're looking at you with avarice eyes. Yeah, like, Ooh, yeah, yeah. They're, they're doing that, um, back to the clergy, they're, they're, they're looking at their neighbours' stuff and being they're like... coveting oh, their ass. That's the stuff they're coveting. Yes. That's very good. <laughs> taxi drivers, number five, taxi drivers. They do not like black people. <laughs> they wow, or, or like anyone who's different to them. Like, yeah, they, they are, they can be pretty racist sometimes. I sometimes, and even even like we're talking Uber drivers and that sort of stuff with those sort of those ride sharing app things. I had some, I had some weird situations recently. It's a point where you, when you're a, a white male in your forties, and then for some reason the other white male in the forties goes, he'll know what I'm talking about. Here's some racist, sexist horror. And but know, <laughs> stop talking. At least you can prepare for that with Uber because. You kind of we're sort of culturally taught that Germans have a history of racism. So with a name like Uber, you're like, oh, okay. So I what? <laughs> well, this, okay, what? Uber's a German word, right? Yeah, as in Ubermensch. It's yeah, like Ubermensch. It's, like why are Germans racist? World War Two. That's Nazis. I mean, yes, not all Germans were Nazis. All not all Nazis are German oh, nowadays. Hashtag not all Germans are Nazis. Well, they weren't, and nowadays it's strange. There seems to be a large number of Nazis in America. But anyway, that's a different thing. For it was time. always very odd when I was growing up because culturally I had two t- totally disparate ideas of what a German person was. One, jackboots <laughs> and marching. Two, yep. lederhosen yep. and sausages. And it, that's true. And it, it just it, it was that thing where your brain can hold two dissociative things and just go, yes, that is a German what about Not this? All Germans. That is the German. Yes, that's with the sausages. What? But 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 the, oh yeah, the World War Two guys. They're Germans. But the guys in the Lederhosen. Yeah, Germans. Wait. Oh, they're they're the same people. They're just Not dressed in different pants. Number four, funeral director. That's an obvious one. Yeah, that is creepy as fuck. That's, that's creepy. <laughs> they're, they're I mean, creepy. that's big, tall, black hats and like yeah, 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 fingers of, touching of... at their tips and stuff. Yeah, and and like and, and you know that they're the last person who ever touched your junk. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. It's weird. Well, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks. <laughs> dig, dig him up. Have of... another crack. Depends <laughs> if the clergy gets involved. No. No, no, no. no. Clergy interested in the other end of lifetime. Uh oh, I think yeah, well, yeah, there you go. Number two, taxidermist. I can see that one too. I wanted to be a taxidermist when I was a kid. That makes so much sense. That was that was when when I was a kid, when I was five years old, I wanted (laughs) I'd been to the Museum of Brisbane and I saw those great big dinosaurs out the front. Yeah, model dinosaurs. I think they're like fiberglass or something, but as an impressionable child, I just assumed it was some sort of inflatable thing that and so i said i want to be a man who stuffs dinosaurs that's right. my job will be to work, go to the museum and to fill the the dinosaur up with like stuffing and that's that's my job so i want to be a taxidermist i i think i think that like that's not taxidermy but i found out kind of recently that when they need to get flesh off bones they use a flesh-eating beetle 
So that's pretty creepy. I can't believe I think people don't realize that. So the people who prepare bones, what would that be? It's not a taphonomist. We've talked to a taphonomist. That's not what they do. But, uh, yes, yeah, so like a, a museum curator or something like that. Yeah. They use flesh-eating beetles. If that's not the creepiest thing you've ever heard today, it's on the list, but it nah. should be. Number one, can you guess the number one creepiest profession? It's all over the internet. You can't miss it in a million years. Uh, President of the United States. <laughs> no, but it should be there. I, well, technically it is a clown. There you go. Clowns is a, is a profession. Oh, so when you were saying it is all over the internet, you were telling me the answer. I was telling you the ah. answer. <laughs> so you clowns. I feel sorry for clowns because it's, I feel it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. People go... I found clowns a bit creepy. It's therefore now everyone's gone out of their way to make clowns as creepy as possible. So now clowns are even more creepy, and this leads to a cycle that never stops. I never found clowns that creepy when I was younger. They were just they, they, I saw I used to go see them in circuses. They were just clowns. So there was just it was a person like an actor. They were just pretending. It'd be more of a uh, unicycle that doesn't stop than a cycle that doesn't stop. <laughs> Man, I used to love clowns when I was a kid. I was, I was like, oh, that's that's the job for me. After taxidermy. Shit. So the top two are the things I want to do when I was a kid. And then you became oh. the 14th. <laughs> oh, no. What do you do for a job? Where are you on that list? I'm not on that list at all. No, because you're out there helping kids. Mm. Yeah, and, and teaching people science, man. That's what it is. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's not creepy at all. They, and little do they know. Anyway. I need to make some websites about clowns. <laughs> Dan Beeson's not at all creepy website. Make a website about stuffing clowns. <laughs> you remember a little while ago we were discussing turtles and how to figure out where turtles have been and where they've come from based on the shellfish that sit on their yes. backs. Yes, yes, yes. They were also able, they found a, a single piece of the jet that crashed, that vanished. That oh, yes, M also. M MK17 or something. That might be a gun. Um, <laughs> the, one they, the one they think sort of crashed, they think might have gone down west of Western Australia. Yeah, somewhere in the Indian Ocean. So they yeah. found a single panel and then they were able to figure out how long it had been out there and where it had come from based on the shellfish that had clung to it. Mm -hmm. So this is a way for little animals to, uh, to move across the sea is to jump onto something that's already moving. But you don't really want animals to move across the sea that much because just like you don't want to introduce cane toads to the magical mm. North Queensland, you don't mm -hmm. want the wrong sort of fish to turn up in a different part of water. We think of the oceans as all being connected and you could just swim from one bit to the other, but they are mm. huge, vast distances and they are different salt contents and different salinity <laughs> Yes, uh, and, and, and also, like, amount of nutrients. So you can't, like, if you try to, like, kind of walk across a desert, you'll just die because there won't be any food for you. So mm. you've got to stay where the food is. So there are barriers that stop some fish from one place getting to another. Now, boats that carry... They just don't lot, care. They don't, boats don't care. Boats, boats will just go. Boats don't know. Yeah, right. Boats float. I think we've all... Good. I think we know that. Welcome Good. to the science, ladies and gentlemen. Boats <laughs> are buoyant. Excellent. Uh, Good. And they sit quite high in the water, and then you fill them up with all the all the goods that you want to move to the other part of the planet, and they sit lower in the water, and they don't roll mm -hmm. over. But yes. then you unload all those goods, and they sit high in the water again, 
and you don't want the, the boat to fall over. So what you do is you need ballast. So what they mm-hmm. do is they pump this water in from the sea and they just fill up the bottom of the ship so that it sits lower in the water again. They drive yes. back to where the product is to pick up and then they just dump all of that water back out of the ballast. And what could go wrong? What could go wrong? You need filters on that because yeah. it fills up with sea creatures and then they just dump a bunch of sea creatures in a totally new part of the world. So yeah. they do actually look out for this these days. Like they, 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 there are things in... So it's like an ocean play. fight club. It's just suddenly it's, you just turn up going, I'm here. Yeah. I'll punch everyone. Let's yeah. go. But you, ultimately you do not want foreign sea creatures to move to habitats where that, that are at risk. It's just because you just change the your makeup and you have predators, too many predators, or you have someone come in that can't be stopped, or yeah, it doesn't have enough predators. It's all mm. yeah, it all goes horribly, horribly wrong. So yeah, yeah and sometimes that, it goes idea. sometimes it goes right. Sometimes you end up with a couple of lizards that sit on a piece of wood, they get flushed out a river, and then they float over to an island and they end up evolving into the lizards of the Galapagos, which is nice. how they got there. Nice. But then the wood rots and the wood sinks and they can't really get that far away from their point of origin. Yeah. Now, one thing that humans have done really well is make stuff that's better than wood, especially when (laughs) it comes to floating. Because pretty much every every natural thing that you drop into the ocean, maybe not pumice, I don't know, but almost everything that you drop into the ocean (laughs) eventually sinks. It's not going to make it all the way from the Japanese coast all the way to the USA. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's unlikely. But, yeah, pumice, pumice will go, yeah, pumice will float for basically forever because mm. it's, it's, it's just air unless, yeah, because it's just air cavities inside. Yeah, they're trapped, so it should. I don't see why it wouldn't. Hard to get a lizard on top of pumice, though. That's true. It just keeps, like, running. Like, ah! Just keep running like on a ball. It'd yeah. be very, very bad. Like it's the Jesus hilarious lizard. to watch. The Jesus lizard can run across water all by itself. That's <laughs> a long just, run, though. That's a... <laughs> It's probably going to have some trouble with the waves too. But probably there was a massive tsunami in Japan in 2011. So all this water rushed in, picked up a whole bunch of these really buoyant plastic things and metal things. All this wonderful stuff that's buoyant, pulled it out to sea, and then all these creatures from Japan jumped onto that stuff. Yeah. uh, As it would survive. To survive. So it's nice Mm. near the sun where all the nutrients are. But that thing didn't sink halfway across the Pacific. That thing floated all the way to the north coast of the US, and they are still having oh my goodness. bits of debris. Flot- oh, no, it wouldn't be flot. Mm. It's kind of flotsam. Was- Is it flotsam or jetsam? Flotsam means that it was washed off a boat. Jetsam means that it was pushed off a boat. Right. Ejected from the boat. But this wasn't from a, a boat. One. So, it a one? But it was washed off, a, uh, off the land, so maybe it's jetsam. Yeah. And salvage is when it drops to the bottom and you can pick it up and bring it home. Yeah, and derelict means it's it's just a type of shipwrecked. Yeah, okay, all right. So it's not really – it could be derelict maybe. Yeah. Well, it's still yeah. under sail until it hits the coast of the US and it has all these weird little bizarre Japanese creatures that sort of move in and start messing up with the mussels and the scallops and the sea lions over there. Yeah, well, well done, humans. Once again, well done. <laughs> Once again, we made things so good that they're making things worse. <laughs> you know what scares adults the most? Clowns. Clowns? We've well, already clowns established scary. that. But that's very true. Earlier in this very episode, young people. Young people terrify older people. Oh, it's one of those things. yeah. No, and it's, 
And, and young people have been terrifying older people since the days of Socrates. So like, famously writing about how they all lay about shiftless and they're going to destroy everything and they don't like the things I like and the music is weird and they, they haven't, don't have the same morals and they're all, mm. they, they all eat too much smashed avo and they can't buy a house. And yeah, yeah. Sort of stuff. We're, we're, He's very famous for saying smashed avo. We were scared in our house about young people, and but then, uh, but then my wife wasn't pregnant. So... <laughs> Bonza, like that's the youngest you can get. That's very true. Yeah, but suddenly, if a young person appears in your house, you weren't expecting that would be a very scary time, a very okay. blessed and scary time. <laughs> All the people who are, don't count themselves as millennials, if you're like Gen X, I guess, or baby boomers, or the, the special generation, or the, the mighty generation, or the whatever the hell they call it. Anyway, anyone older than there's a forgotten generation, the silent generation. God, I have no idea. It's Gen all crazy. X, Gen Y, just people yeah, called Gen. All, I thought just people called you, they're scared of everything. So Gen, yeah, I thought Gen Y were millennials. I don't know. It's, it's all just made up rubbish anyway. So anyway. No, no, no. Millennials are people born after the millennium, surely. No, 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 they're not. Because I work with millennials and they're in their mid-20s or early 20s. And they, so it's only 2017, so that can't be right. So they're, and they're definitely millennials. Okay, maybe it's got not, something to do with a thumbs up on Facebook or something. Yeah, I, I, look, that's what I'm saying. It's, it, look, it's made up rubbish. Gen X, I mean, I'm considered Gen X, and other people I know who never used to be Gen X are now considered Gen X, and it really annoys me because they're not. They're so Gen Y, it shits me. But anyway, uh, <laughs> it's all made up rubbish. <laughs> Don't put them in my group. My group's awesome. We're the angry people between the baby boomers who got everything and worked it all out. And then when we were went, no, man, we're not going to do it. We're going to sit here and, and be counterculture and say, stuff you. And then when we were ready to get older and start buying houses, Gen Y were there being younger and prettier and cleverer than us. And we were doomed. Doomed. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So Mind you, our, our music was the best. Oh, God. Yeah, it was true. Anyway, the, the point of this is we should stop, put down the knives, stop being scared of the millennials, unlock them from the cupboards. Because in... Nearly every test that's been done across the National Survey of Drug Use and Health uh, in America, lots of psychological medicines, have discovered that actually they're much, much better. They actually have about 49% decline in psychological problems compared to the last generation. So they actually, even though you think that every one of them is depressed or sad or angry or got something, actually less of them than us do. So it's all the older people who are pain in the bum. You are. The, the, Fewer. Thank you. Thank you, Stannis. That's great. Thank yeah. you. Stannis I, I wish I didn't know the difference between less and fewer because every time now I hear it used incorrectly, I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Thank you for calling me up on that. Also, teenagers themselves are not going to have as many delinquent behaviours such as assault and stealing and carrying naughty weapons. That's fallen by 34% in millennials. So, And even the fact that teenage pregnancies have dropped precipitously in millennials as well. And what's really interesting is, so they're basically the better people than anyone that's come before them. Yeah, that's, but that's what... you're saying that we shouldn't be scared of them. Yes. But then your, your justification is that it's because they're better than us. Yes. Like... I, I'm not scared that they'll be able to beat me in a fight. I'm scared that they're going to be better than me. <laughs> they're going to be morally superior to you. Yeah, I do not need that pressure. But no, Dan, hang on. No, no, think about it, Dan. That means that you're much, you'll be better at getting a gun and a knife and just dealing with the problem. You know what I'm saying? Because like, you're, you know, you're much more chance of doing that than they will. Yeah, true, as long as my arthritis doesn't kick in. <laughs> 
So don't fear, don't fear young people. It seems that actually maybe listen to them a bit more and uh, and work out what's going on. Because with this, this uh, study, they couldn't work out what it is. They're not too sure. They're not saying, oh, it's just one thing that makes them be less risk adverse as well. They're less likely to hurl themselves off bridges for fun and that sort of stuff, which is a thing. I think that's a thing. With a bungee cord, I mean. I didn't just mean hurl yourself off a bridge. Oh, they're less likely to do those sort of things as well. So they're less risk averse. They're less likely to get into trouble. They're less likely to get pregnant. They're less likely to take drugs. They're less likely to be nuts. They're doing pretty well. So we don't know why, and maybe we should work out why. But maybe just maybe just listen to young people a bit more and go, oh, wait, you've actually got your head screwed on, right? Things are going to be okay because you guys are okay. Yeah, I mean, maybe sit them down and make them listen to some real music. Oh, yeah, like Nirvana or nothing. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> There were two things that I was disappointed about when I went to the US. Yes. I didn't get to see a moose. No, right. Isn't that a Canadian thing? There was, there's moose in Grand Teton National Park and moose in Yellowstone. Oh, okay. Oh, there you go. I miss them too then. That's very sad. Yeah, hard to spot. Quite tricky yes. to spot. <laughs> it's very hard to find a giant horse. It's, uh... <laughs> anyway. It's not... It, that, uh... yeah, I'm moving on. <laughs> uh, the other thing is I really wanted to smell the smell of a skunk because <laughs> I'm only of uh, the only exposure I've had to skunks are on the telly and notoriously mm-hmm. non-pungent right. seeing a Good television. Point. So yes. I, I know that people have, I see people experiencing it and I kind of wanted to know what that was to experience it for myself. And so I mentioned this to a friend of mine over over there. I said, I've never smelt a skunk. And he goes, how can you tell? And I was like, what do you mean? He said, well, you might have smelt it and just not been able to link it to what, uh, what it was. Because I smelt a bunch of weird stuff over there. I just, you're you're uh, well known for just walking up and sniffing things that you shouldn't be sniffing. It's, it's, mm. it's one of your endearing character traits. I, I asked someone, what does a skunk smell like? And someone said... It smells like a Heineken beer, but a thousand times worse. <laughs> I've never smelled a Heineken beer. Uh, well, I quite like it, so I'm quite ready to lick a skunk and see how that goes. <laughs> but apparently, you do not want to get sprayed with a skunk. Mm-hmm. Not, or, like, it smells like death. It smells right. like if you smell if you smelt a dead cat or any right. dead animal that's, de- okay. that's decaying, what it's doing is it's creating a chemical called a thiol. Right. The uh, scent from a skunk is thiols. Uh, it's a sort of a thiol oil. So it hits you, it sticks to you, and it smells for days. And so right. an animal will get hit by a skunk thing, and they and you can't let it into the house because it just it it's awful, just awful. Uh, it comes from two little tiny glands at the the back of the skunk, the fun bit of the skunk. <laughs> the danger zone. Yeah. Danger zone. You can't wash it off with water because it's oh, oil-based. It's oil-based, yes, yeah. yes. You can't wash it off with soap and water because and that just doesn't work. It still oh, smells. Man. So it sticks. There is a wives' tale that you can use tomato juice. Right. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Is the only answer to find, like, the anti-skunk, like the skunk's chemical opposite, and annoy that anti-skunk, and which is generally, like, white with black stripes, and, and then make it spray you to cancel it out. Or maybe it's a skink. Maybe it's like yin, yin and yang. Oh! Skink and skank. Skink and skank? Skink and skunk. Skink, skink and skank. Skank is very different. I had a date like that once. The... 
<laughs> she also spit like that. <laughs> okay. Uh, that was not targeted at any of my exes. I just want to make totally clear. <laughs> that is a fake ex. Fake ex. Now. There is a scientist, a chemist called Creborn. So he worked with these thiols, which are a, a component of the smell, it, with his job as a chemist, and he would get rid of them. He went, oh, well, I mean, it's, it's chemistry. The, the thiols smell bad, but if I bond oxygen molecules to them, then that will take apart the molecule and you'll end up with two things that don't smell bad. So it's Thank only, goodness. He got a simple mixture of hydrogen peroxide and baking soda, Mixed that up, went all frothy and stuff, and he used that to wash it off. One of his co-workers, their cat, got sprayed by a skunk. And so the guy said, well, try doing this thing, because this is how I get rid of the thiols. Mixed up. Melted the cat. <laughs> Poisoned the cat. Poisoned the cat. It just melted it into a big puddly goo. Or gave it superpowers. I'm going to go for either of those. But it, they, he mixed up the hydrogen peroxide and the sodium bicarb, and that ended up creating all that oxygen, bonding with the thiol, and just throwing off those oxygen molecules like a dog shaking water off its coat. Oh, wow. And it neutralised all of the thiols. Did that person then go, like, make this into, like, a, a cool product he could sell in the shops, and now he's like, get my anti-skunk, anti-skunk. He did consider it. He's like, well, how do I... Because this is amazing. Like, people will pay mm. through the nose to get yep. anti-skunk well, spray. Ah, pay through ah. the nose. Well done. Ah, smelly skunk. Yeah. But unfortunately... Looking between the skunk lines. Yeah. Unfortunately, you can't bottle it because the very reason that it works is the fact that you mix two things together and it happens and the thing happening uh, is what gets rid of it and yes. the two components themselves are very easy to source yes they're hydrogen so peroxide just... and baking soda yes but, but like people i still eat packet noodles and things i could get back my own noodles so i guess there are lazy people that you could just have two components that you squeeze together and make another component you'd need to be like a araldite glue yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So two, two things components. together yeah that's amazing, though. So thank God for chemistry. Chemistry has saved us, saved civilization from the, the evil skunk. Oh, he's not evil. He's just a bit on the nose. Oh, oh, that's all. Oh. Pick my time. I push you into the time machine. I yeah. set the buttons for Moldovia 1450. I'm sorry. You've got an hour to research on the internet all the skills that you're going to need to make your time back in Moldavia the best time ever. Take it away, Gregoire. Oh, my God. This was a really hard one. My first point was, where the heck is Moldavia? <laughs> I had no frame of reference of where this place was. The first thing I did was look it up, and Moldavia doesn't exist anymore. It's now Moldova. Moldova is a little place nestled between the Ukraine and Romania. And I don't know where and those places is... are either. There's just this swirling ma Eastern maelstrom Europe. of Eastern Europe, and I have no idea what the countries are like there. You can't get much more Eastern Europe than Ukraine because it becomes Russia, and in fact, Ukraine may be Russia. Depends on who you're and asking. What, and, and at so, what point you're listening to the podcast. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, and, and Romania, basically it's Eastern, Eastern, Eastern Europe. So it's very, 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 very Eastern Europe. It's landlocked. It's one of those poor little countries that got landlocked because the Ukraine went, 
this part that you're kind of coming up close to the Black Sea on, well, no, tough, we're going to take it over and uh, we're going to claim all this stuff. So it's landlocked. When you look at it, you're like, it probably shouldn't be landlocked, but it is. Uh, so Moldova, when I looked into it, I was I hated you a lot because 10 years ago it was dubbed the world's least happy place. <laughs> <laughs> So I was like, "Oh, great! Uh, this is, this sounds like a but wonderful that's 10 place." Ten years ago, and I'm sure 40... that's not six hundred and seventy yes. years ago. That's 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 like, true. That's true. Very the, true. Do you think so... that bit that was like the final year of like a uh, of a six hundred year unhappiness? I'm sure there've been huge <laughs> patches of delight in Moldova. Well, maybe, maybe we we shall definitely find out, won't we? Uh, so, so basically, I was sent back to 1450 of this place that's kind of rolling hills and a flat pasture land. They think it's named after the the river, which they think might have been named after mines. It's all very confusing. No one's terribly sure. That sounds quite uh, idyllic. Actually, I may have, I may have. It, it, it does. It does sound nice. It's not. It's not on fire, at least. But it's. Because it's sort of near Bulgaria and it's near Romania, near the Ukraine, and all the different areas of that time around Moldavia, it was a hot pot, a hotbed of violence and death and destruction. And it's also kind of near Turkey as well, across the Black Sea. So, yeah, it, it's a place that had to fight a lot to stop not being Moldavia. So, anyway, uh-huh. so Moldavia was in for a lot of problems, I realized, when I turned up. And I was thrown right into a period of time when it was about to go very, very wrong. Oops. Because the the leader of Moldavia at that time was Bogdan II. And That's Bogdan's, a funny name. He sounds like a chum. He's a, he sounds like a pretty nice guy. Don't know much about him. Don't really care to know because he became the prince of uh, Moldavia in 1449. He was murdered in 1451. Ooh, 24 so, months of really living it up. Yeah, it's basically right. And I got there halfway through the mighty reign of Bogdan II. So anyway, Bogdan had a son. His son was named Stephen, and that's the man I'm going to be hanging on to because Stephen becomes Stephen the Great, and Stephen the Great rules for a very long time indeed. He sort of hangs on until 1504. So he's the one. He's the one I'm... Attaching ah, everything to nice. I got 54 more years with him But he runs away Basically when his dad is murdered in 1451 By his uncle, by Stephen's uncle Who takes over Then Stephen makes a run for it And at this point, Dan, I've wasted a lot of time Learning about a period of the world A place in the world and a period of history That I will never use And no, yeah, don't well, see how Welcome to pit my time yeah, I know. So I was, I'd wasted a lot of time at this point Going, oh, oh no Oh no But he was actually helped out and survived because of his neighbor in Romania, not actually Romania at that time, a Wallachian prince that you may know and love. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Vlad III, also known as Vlad the Impaler. You basically sent me to the next door neighbor of Vlad the Impaler. Uh, Vlad the Impaler. Now, why does that name sound familiar to me? He's Dracula, Dan. Oh, He's Dracula. Count Dracula. Yes, Count... of course, the dragon. Yes, yes. the dragon. No, oh, look at actually... I didn't did I did I send you back to battle a supernatural force? Did I do that? I oh, that's embarrassing. What are the chances of hitting just that part of the world at just that day? <laughs> 
I thought, oh, I'm dead. But no, he was on the side of, of Stephen the Great, the young prince. Because of Stephen lining up with the Wallachian prince, Vlad, they worked together to get young Stephen back onto the throne by 1457. We've got a couple of years in the wilderness. But I, so when I turn up, I'm going to do the thing I normally do. I know it's not that exciting, but I'm going to go, hey, I can count. I want to teach your son, Bogdan II, how to count and do math. One, one type one. of item. <laughs> Two. Two type of item. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> you stole my joke. <laughs> Sorry about that. I uh, should have realized that you were setting yourself up for that. In fact, I did. Halfway through, I was like, one, one fuck up from Dan blowing Greg's joke. <laughs> That's all right. Anyway, so I'm going to work with, but I'm going to get Bogdan on side before he dies. I'm going to show him some pretty cool things where I can actually make him uh, lamps. I can make what's called a, an argon lamp, uh, maybe a Lewis lamp. Yeah, An argon lamp was something that got built in 1784 by a scientist by the name of Argon. And an argon lamp was you have a wick, a cylindrical wick, and you have fuel, like gravity fed going into it, coming up the sides, and it basically makes a brighter light. And that's how I'm going to impress him. Hey, don't use – you can use vegetable oils, you can use animal fats, but you can make a lamp that actually is a better burning lamp than a crappy thing from that period of time. So that's how I'm going to get Bogdan on side. Nice. Reason, that's, that's my – don't panic. This all leads to something here. But, so the first thing you did when confronted with the Lord of Darkness is create illumination. We'll get to Vlad. Don't, don't jump to Vlad. Don't jump to Vlad. Okay, now let's jump to Vlad. So – Basically, Bogdan is murdered, and I am now in with the prince, and I make a run for it to into the arms of Vlad Tepes. Now, Vlad Tepes, Count Dracula, the Dracul, the dragon, is not the bad guy here. He's my ally. That's the point. He's the guy who's going to help us take back the lands of the beautiful, sad lands of Moldavia. He's the guy who's going to help me do it, and I'm going to help him do it as well. So I'm going to look past all the spiking. And You've this... aligned yourself with one of the most the, yes. the evilest human that has ever lived on planet earth look, look i think he's got a bad rap i think he was just trying to keep his land safe from lots of turkish invaders i think he was, he's actually a great crusader i won't hear you saying a bad word about him and pre, look you can't be called peter the great without being pretty bloody awesome that's all i'm saying so that's a, I, so yes vlad tepes the dragon is my ally but i'm aligning with peter the great he's a really nice guy all right <laughs> the enemy, the friend of my friend is my friend, Dan, even though he might be a bit of a prick. That, you admit, anyway, that's an interesting political standpoint. <laughs> so I, I, I told you before about the argon lamp and how I, we, we run off with that technology. We have the argon lamp. But, of course, I don't care about the lamp. It's not the illumination I really want. It's the fact that hot air rises because we're going airborne. That's what we're doing. We're going to be able to build using silk which we can get from this point, from all the, all the uh, trading, we can build hot air balloons. Hot air balloons about 300 years before hot air balloons were designed. Yes. This is so, so you can fly into the air using a, basically a bigger version of, of an argon lamp, basically having hot air go up. You can actually create an updraft in the basket itself, and you can raise into the air. So I've just created flight for the, for the Bat Lord. That's basically what I'm saying here, as I'm you creating flight. Taught. Vampires, how to fly. 
Absolutely. But it's not that exciting. It's just so they can go into the air and they can see their enemies coming. So they can use it and also realize if you put if you have them above the battlefield, you could fire raining arrow death on your enemies. And if you're high enough, they can't fire raining arrow death back at you. So basically you have the aerial superiority if the winds are in the right way or you just attach them to a cart. But it would be very helpful. You can you can see how I've just given them the ability to, to basically float above the battlefield and conquer it with aerials. If you control the air, you control the ground, is what I'm trying to say here. All right. All right. That's good. Yeah. But then I didn't stop. Then I was like, Of course Wait you a didn't. Of course you didn't. I, what, did you align gonna... yourself with the mummy now? <laughs> no, no, I realized, well, if I'm going to align myself with, the Drac- with Count Dracula, the famous... <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I'm just hearing it to... spoken out loud. <laughs> oh, no. In our science podcast. If I'm going to align myself with Count Dracula, I'm going to become the world's first Batman. That's what I'm going to be. It's going to be Gregoire the Batman. I'll go oh, down and Oh, my God. Forever. And how I'm going to do that is by using paragliders. Paraglider? You're going to put... You're going to build your own paraglider. You're going to die. Well, other people will die. I will just stand there and refine my technique. So, but we'll, we'll step back because I know I've jumped ahead of here. Is in the 1470s, there are carvings of people saying they jumped off high castles with a, like a cone-shaped parachute and drifted to the ground. We don't know if it's true, but there are pictures of people holding onto a cross beam and above it is a big sack. That's a big, uh, big cone. And they're falling from like three or four stories up. And this, this is a parachute. This is what yep. a parachute is. And I thought originally, Oh, parachute. So if you get, if you're in the balloon, you can, and if something goes wrong, you can jump out of the balloon and you can parachute to safety. That would be a, a thing. And I was like, no, no, think bigger. Let's get, let's, let's, let's fly or glide. Let's, you know, flight powered flight beyond me at this point but we can get pretty close paragliding because the thing i know is it's not the smoke people thought it was smoke that lifted the balloon but it's actually the hot air and also it's not a big wing shape you need an aerofoil shape Mm. you need to make an aerofoil shape and that's that teardrop shape if you're thinking of a plane wing from the side that's the teardrop shape get that bernoulli thing happening and and other things yes the bernoulli effect and also yeah look we'll discuss we discuss this on the podcast many times we won't go there again and i know that with with silk we could cut it in a certain way like different panels in teardroppy kind of shape and you could make a large joined together stitched together wing that had a large aerofoil shape so now you've got something that flies better than just a big flappy wing because it's if you need that shape yeah now here's where paragliders come in you get two of these and you sandwich them together like with a bit of space between them and you join them up so there are cells between them okay yes this is called a ram air parachute Oh, so, so these are the are these the parachutes that you see commonly used, where the whole parachute looks like a sort of a big pillow. It's yes, a, yes, it's yes, like a, that's it. Yes, it's like a fat rainbow that hangs across the yes. top of them, and it looks kind of like a big airy pillow. That's right, and it's got all these different cells inside. So it's open from the front. The air rushes in and inflates the cells, and you get this lovely wing shape because you've cut the cut the material oh, wow. in the right way and put it together. And you can join yourself to that. And what's really interesting about paragliding is if you have the right rope set up, but there's a lot of rigging involved in this, you could pull on your right wing, the tip of your right wing, and it collapses slightly, and then you fall to the right. So you can turn right and you can turn left. Ah. So you can actually change the direction. What's really interesting, I'm not saying I would have exactly the same glide ratio as a modern paraglider, but it would be pretty pretty good. So to give you an example, a modern-day parachute has a three-to-one glide ratio. That means if you go forward three meters, you fall down one meter. So That's, that's pretty it. good. 
That's pretty good. A paraglider goes about 9.3 metres, a modern paraglider. So nine metres forward, one metre down. A hang glider is about the same. I mean, there are better ones. I could get up to 11 and 13, but the one that you and I would recreationally use, about the yes, same. Yes, the ones that hang- you and I would recreationally use, yes. Well, yes. Because <laughs> that's what we do. We we do. We do. So it gives you an idea. It's sort of like a hang glider. A Cessna, if you switch the engine off of a Cessna, a Cessna, like a light aircraft, it only has a glide ratio of nine to one as well. Just, I'm just trying to give you an idea of how much this can glide. It can glide like a Cessna with its engine off. It's pretty good. So every nine meters you go forward, you drop down one. Now, I'm not saying mine would be nine meters because I'm making it out of silk and not the best things in the world. But it, I'm going to say better than three, less than nine. Let's just say six. Let's just pull a number out of the air and say six, which is pretty good. So now my idea is you can take the balloons, go very high in the air, 100 meters, 200 meters in the air, you can have people ready to go. You jump, not me, but my Batman, leave the, the box. Well, when, now, when you say you're Batman, you don't just mean yeah. a butler. Well, yes. Well, not, just a guy with a never, suit. That word, that word will change use in my, my new, exciting okay. uh, Vlad the Impaler-led future. And, or, and Peter the Great as well. Peter the Great's lovely, right. too. So. Stephen the Great. Not Peter the Great. Sorry, I've forgotten his name already. Stephen. <laughs> Sorry, Stephen. You're very important compared to Dracula. Anyway, with some help, you can actually deploy this from the air. And you could have aerial bombardments. You could paint a giant bat or a dragon on the wing, and you could fly over the battlefield, dropping violence on different people, burning oil. Oil, Dan, burning oil dropped on oh, people. Boy. And if people come towards you, you just set up fires in front of your castle, which create what is what a fires create? Updrafts. And I could be not me, once again, my Batman could be floating around the castle, dropping things by or landing if they need to. You land and drop off the harness. So you could have a flying bombarda of people just land in front of you after killing off your men, firing bows at you, and having all sorts of things, like dropping rocks on your head. I would imagine that flying around in a paraglider with heavy rocks might be. Uh, you need, you need a bigger wing. It's just bigger wings is all that's required. The, the larger the wing. So in this case, you yeah, need you, about... That's ballast. You drop those heavy rocks out, and then you go up, and you'll never come down. That's not the how... The glide rate will actually just go straight up into the air. But you can... Remember, you can also turn, and when you turn, you drop, you lose altitude as well. So you can just keep spiralling to touch down. This will be... For one human being, it'll be about 20 to 30 square metres of air ram parachute of this paragliding shape. So if you want something bigger, we're carrying more stuff, then you need to uh, just have a bigger wing. I'm going to pimp my time by giving... Count Dracula, the ability to fly over his enemies and rain fiery death like the dragon he is. And also oh, to and count. Also count. Uh, that was brilliant. So where are you sending oh, okay. me? Oh, oh, yes, 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 that's right. I was a little bit stumped, Dan, of when I was going to send you and where. So I put it out to the listening audienceship of where to send you, and the best one I got I don't back, remember that. I, well, no, I didn't. I didn't bring you into it. Oh, I righto. Asked, I asked. I asked in a social media where we should send people, as in you. And the oh, one yeah, but I, I watch the, the social media. Like I should have spotted uh, that go out, shouldn't I? Well, you absolutely. Yeah, I'm pretty pretty sneaky. Well, you um you block because of girl clumsy. You block a lot of Game of Thrones hashtags. That's what I'm saying. So it becomes very easy to uh, to get things. Oh, <laughs> oh, that is smart. <laughs> There you go. Anyway, so so uh, it's like, has anyone hashtag got a great way yes. to challenge? Oh, you got it, oh, you swine. <laughs> the one I like the best. You are going back to the kingdom of Iothia. 
it's a kingdom and it's also a city. To 1511, so a little bit past where I was sent back to, it's near what used to be called Siam, one of the Siamese kingdoms, what is now the kingdom of Thailand. So Ayathaya in 1511. Cool. Stir fry. Yum. Maybe you can invent it. Oh, I I can do that. That's easy. (laughs) Welcome to the Walk of Shame, where you guys call us out on our mistakes and we embrace them wholeheartedly because we'd much rather be corrected than think we're right and be wrong. That's right. That's the same thing. It means that we can also honestly declare this a science-based podcast, even though I literally was talking about helping Count Dracula create paragliders. So, uh, you know, that's, um, this, this, is what, this is what reforms us. Reforms yeah. us! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we get, we get the audience to do all the heavy lifting. <laughs> Last episode, you were describing the La Brea Tar Pits, and you said, imagine if you're a mammoth. You're a massive woolly elephant. Number one, a yes. mammoth is not an elephant in the same way that a tiger <laughs> is not a lion. <laughs> two different Fair things. Enough. Two different things. Well played. Well played, listeners. Uh, number two, the woolly mammoth never ranged so far as what has to become Ooh. Los Angeles. The mammoths in question would be the Colombian mammoth, which is larger Ooh. and with similar hair to a modern-day mammoth. Tiger. Elephant. Modern-day elephant. <laughs> so that's... that's oh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Thank you. That's Obviously, really cool. I, when you think about it, Los Angeles, California, probably don't need that much hair down there. No, you're right. Yeah, yeah, I see. Nice and I, I, I was actually, I thought I was being quite clever when I said mammoth because I, I re- realized I didn't need to say mastodon. They also had mastodons in there. Mastodons are not mammoths. They're similar, but they're not the same thing. Yep, so I thought, I, was being, I thought I was being super clever. I wasn't being super clever enough. Hmm. Who sent that in? Who sent that in? Uh, I spotted that myself, actually. Oh, I see, see. This oh, is the best oh, thing. Oh, I see. Because during oh, the podcast, the during the podcast, you go, oh, blah, 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 blah. And often you go, blah, 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 blah. No, that's probably a walk of shame. Blah, 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 blah. And then I have to go and edit it. And so that's a lot of friggin' work. But one of the benefits is I go, I bet that is a walk of shame. Oh, <laughs> he's just served himself up on a plate there. <laughs> I'm so glad my co-host is honest enough to point out he doesn't know everything, and therefore I get to nail him to the wall. Ha, <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, Michael Barnes, who I think listens to this podcast more than we do, <laughs> so my long-term listener has helped out with science experiments and a great person who we really respect, pointed out that I was mentioning the military's version of the shuttle. That's like a secret smaller shuttle that flies itself, so it's it's uncrewed, and it flies up, and it does all these secret experiments. No one knows what it's for, and it comes back. And I called it the X-38. It's not called the X-38. It's the X-37B. So I was I was wrong. Uh, <laughs> oh, I see where you've made the mistake. You've made an assumption there, haven't you? I made an assumption there, yes. But yes, that's. Uh, but he did actually say uh, very nicely. He said it's not. It doesn't really count as a walk of shame when you know that you're likely to be wrong. No, Michael. No, it is. It is a walk of shame just because I have a caveat of I'm not terribly sure. No, that's still. If I still then blurt out X thirty seven, X thirty eight, then uh, yes, it was wrong. So thank you very much for pointing it out. So the X thirty seven B uncrewed experimental military air for space plane and this is what i really love he's got an actual quote from my favorite source of information wikipedia so michael Barth wins all the prizes for that one so yes thank you michael now last time on the podcast we were discussing that nine of the ten most dangerous snakes in the world are in australia because there was some american was like oh we have plenty of dangerous snakes over here 
That's uh, right. Rattlesnakes. One of your yeah. stories. Yes, yes. And and you were like, no, I don't think we do. I think that Australia has nine of the ten most dangerous snakes in the yes. world. Is it uh, not true? Nope. Sorry. Oh wow. No, sorry. Uh, uh, land snakes. Land snakes. Now. Australia has nine of the ten most venomous snakes in the world. Uh, but if you are bitten by a snake that can kill you a hundred times over or a snake that can kill you a thousand times over, it doesn't really matter. Look, no, 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 it does. It's, it makes you technically correct the best kind of correct. Ah, no, they're not the most deadly snakes in the world. They are simply, their venom is the most virile because the oh. most deadly snakes in the world are the ones that are more likely to kill you. Oh, because the ones that come, like the ones that come looking for money and like come to your house and you know take all your stuff and yeah, okay, yes. So, and there are uh, the aggressiveness of a snake can be a much better indicator of just how deadly it is. And there right. are some very aggressive snakes in India. Only one of the most dangerous snakes in the world is uh, in Australia, and that is a sea snake. Right. But the gentleman in America, yes, to him, uh, in the top list of very dangerous snakes. Yes, uh, there is there is a snake that is from America in there. The South American Bushmaster is considered oh uh, considerably dangerous. <laughs> um, uh, right, it is the longest venomous snake in the world. So oh, very good. In a, oh, well done. In a list of dangerous snakes, if there was a subcategory for tripping hazards, then yes, the South American Bushmaster would be the most dangerous snake in the world. But also could be used as a draft excluder under your door. Yep, yep, yep. Yep. So danger from overheating. Yes, that's very very dangerous snake if you use it as a draft excluder in a hot environment. Don't get any drafts. That's right, and you don't you can't drink enough water, and you dehydrate, and it's 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 very bad for you. So yeah, that's a very dangerous snake. Very dangerous. Do not trip over the South American Bushmaster. <laughs> so let me get this straight. There is a list of ven- most venomous snakes, and there's a list of the most dangerous snakes, and they're not the same thing. They're not the same thing. Australia, does Australia have many, many of the most venomous snakes? Yeah, yeah, the brown snake and the taipan and the okay. uh, and the black snake. Their their venom is very virulent. So we do have most of the venomous snakes. We just don't have the most dangerous, dangerous snakes because our most most our snakes run 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 away because they don't want to kill you. They just want to get the heck out of dodge. That's right. Aha! Uh-huh. I love it. That's brilliant. Oh, it's it's beautiful pedantry at its best. Look, it's technically correct. The best best kind of correct. Correct. Ah, it's gorgeous. We need that on a (laughs) T-shirt. We'll just buy a Futurama one. (laughs) If you hear Greg say anything that seems wrong, look it up, get some resources, and then send them through to dan at smartenough.org. And once you've gone searching Wikipedia for all your answers, make sure you send them all of Dan's mistakes to greg at smartenough.org. Just before we wrap up the show, I, there's something that got sent to me ages ago, but I haven't had an opportunity to, sh- to show you yet. You remember many, many years ago, we came up with the idea of putting together the, the best zombie. We oh, accepted yes. we were going to become a zombie. How would you deck yourself out before the change so that you were the most effective zombie that there was? Yes, I remember this. Yes, I remember this. It was a great idea. It was one of my favourite things ever from ever. <laughs> Now, very few people get back to us about that these days, being that that was like six years ago. But yes. very occasionally, uh, we get someone like Marija from Germany 
who go, who find, discovers the podcast and just churns through them all. <laughs> goes through the backlog, and she was quite charmed with this idea. And I have sent you a an illustration, and I would like it if you could describe it to the listening audience, please. Hang on. Okay. Wow. Fan art. This is amazing. This is very exciting. So in the background, listeners, we actually have a terrible, terrible hellscape of horror and, and just yeah, basically the end of the world kind of stuff, zombie apocalypse. In the foreground is a zombie definitely a zombie i, I wasn't as sure for a moment but it is yeah, a zombie tricked. i was yeah i was just it's uh because it's it's wearing fatigues and basically the zombie is wearing good good sensible shoes that's good well done you need good sensible shoes the zombie has uh, the pre-zombie has actually wrapped themselves in some bandages like a mummy so that they they if anything happens to them, they're not going to fall apart which is very clever they're wearing camouflaged pants and uh, just a normal sort of a greyish-looking sweater. They're, they've attached a helmet to their head and strapped it under their chin, like a military camouflaged helmet. So that's obviously they don't fall apart there. On their left hand, they've put what looks like gardening shears. So it's a, like wolverine claws sticking out from the wrist, <laughs> and it's been attached there. So basically if they go for you, they're going to stab you with these 12-inch claws. And they, on their face, they've got a lovely, friendly bunny mask. So it looks like a lovely bunny. So if you see it coming, you don't see its horrible, rotten face. It's this beautiful bunny mask. It's wearing a radio, I think, or some sort of transmitter that's going, help, help, please help, help, please help. So it attracts people. And on the back is a backpack. Now, I think this backpack is some sort of cooling device. That's right. So it's basically a backpack with a with a snowflake on it, with a big pipe on it, and I'm guessing it's to keep the body from falling apart. Uh, to stop it from... Oh, from heating up and, and rotting. up and rotting. Yeah, 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 that's right. Oh, I can see. Yeah, no, it's, it's amazing. It fresh. It's, it is well thought out. I love the fact that from a distance, you wouldn't be terribly sure if it was a living person or not. I guess from the shamble, you might, but if it's, cool, you know, if it's not falling apart too much, no one's going to see it. And once you get too close, when it reaches out for you, you're going to get stuck with a knife right in the face. Yeah. I love it. This um, is brilliant. Now, the thing that Marija from Germany has uh, indicated to me from this image is that our plans would not work. If there are a bunch of zombies in that thing, I would shoot that thing first. That thing is terrifying. <laughs> that, is, that, is, that is nightmare fuel. <laughs> But you wouldn't know. That's the thing. You wouldn't know until it until it got too close. If it That's was the a, point whether or not it was a zombie, I would shoot anyone wearing a bunny mask like that. That is, <laughs> oh my god! Still... I, maybe I've played too much Bioshock, but that is <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> well, thank you very much to our listener for bringing it, sending it to. That's amazing. We fan art. Yeah, let's put that on the website somewhere. Yep, my goodness, that'll be in the show notes for episode one thirty one. So jump onto smartenough.org, go to episode one thirty one, and there will be a link to that image. We might That's post amazing. it on uh, Twitter as well. That's just the best. Thank you very much. You have been listening to Dan at smartenough.org and Greg at smartenough.org. You can tune in to us on Twitter and yep. Facebook. and Just, Facebook just go to smartenough.org. There's a bunch yep. of buttons that if you want to support right. us and do that sort of stuff, support yeah, yeah, us. Yeah. And, and you know what else you do? If you particularly liked something in the episode, just tweet us and say, oh, I really like that bit because yep. that's what makes it yep. all worth it. Like if we're and we really do get back boy, to you. Yeah. Oh, we, yeah love, we, got, we love chatting to you. Yeah, we got, we're, we're not popular enough to be able to be picky about our fans. <laughs> we'll talk to anyone. 
It's pretty lame. It's pretty desperate. Oh, now I realise why you're not contacting us. Yeah, no. Fair enough. Oh, they'll do. They will. They will. But if you've got anything to say, we'd love to do it. If you are in Brisbane and you like science and you like me, Dan, then you can come along to Science Says, which is a science-based comedy panel show in Brisbane, Australia, on Wednesday, November the 29th at 7.30pm. Tickets will be available. I will link to those on the website as well in the show notes. That's fantastic. It actually is really good. I've been involved in these myself. Dr. Joel Gilmore is the MC. It's a really fun night of scientists and, and educators and, and comedians and uh, doing all sorts of cool things. So it's it's you'll learn something, you'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll maybe even come away slightly smarter. And as we always like to say... One! One terrible dictator! Ah, 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 ah. Thunder. I was quite interested to hear Girl Clumsy mention that she just doesn't like Twitter. It's a hugely toxic environment. And I was oh. like, no, 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 Facebook's the toxic environment. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. yeah. I, I don't understand why Girl Clumsy's experience would be different to me, just a normal cis white dude. Like, I, <laughs> I can't imagine. This would hopefully will never get out. Thank God we're not being recorded. If, if your Facebook's a toxic environment, it's because your friends are toxic and you're in a, you don't align with your friends, in inverted commas. Whether or I'm just friends. an asshole. Well, they're good. That that's, could the, be as it I too. said, you, I was being polite. It's, it's just the continual, ongoing rebel yell. Yes, I know. I know Donald Trump's bad. He's, oh, he's still being bad. Excellent, cool. And I just don't need to hear someone buzzing. Did you hear this other thing he did that was bad? And you're like, no. I, I, I'm assuming he's an idiot still. Oh, he's still an idiot. Great. Yeah, it's yeah. like share housing with punks. Their, their ideals but, are good, but Jesus. <laughs> The yes. place always yeah. smells of, like, hair dye and spikes. <laughs> Actually, I'm famished. I'm just going to quickly scarf down a chunk of chicken. How is your dinosaur? Um, good. Yes. Good. Excellent. Finally worked out what the f*** you were talking about. <laughs> There's the story. Mm-hmm. To me, it's like not watching Thor and Hulk punch each other in a in a ring. Um, though I enjoyed that. <laughs> it, it, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Don't put that in as a search engine. <laughs> Before I go on, can you hear that whippersnipper outside? Yeah, it sounds like someone who can't whistle trying yeah. real hard to whistle. It's like... Oh, no! No! He's not whippersnippering. He's leaf-blowing. Get up, the broom! Oh, he's not evil. He's just a bit on the nose. Oh, oh, that's... Oh, oh no. What have we become? Oh, probably any other podcast with two cis white dudes chatting. <laughs> just... Hey, look at how funny I am. <laughs> hey, did you see Thor Ragnarok? <laughs> Hello? I see. Huh. I'm glad I was recording on both devices because one of them has just silently stopped at some point. Oh no! It's interesting. Oh well. You know what? Let's start it again. Card full. Fuck you. Maybe, maybe, send a, maybe make a really blaring alarm when that happens, you stupid device.
<laughs> so it's it's not just hurling people to their deaths. But I don't think Vlad Tepes would care. No, no, he's uh, got a bit of a history, hasn't he? 